It's The Luminaries with David Odyssey. This time, the life and cosmic legacy of Marsha P. Johnson. That's right, it's a Pride special edition with special guest star Anthony Michael Lopez. But first, thoughts on Set It Off, uh, Body Image Dysmorphia, Cabaret, The Talented Mr. Ripley, and The Living Horror of Gemini Season, and Homosexual New York Society. Thank you for listening. We'll get to cancer season soon, I promise. Okay, um, I I just want to say there was no episode last week for no reason. Uh, this episode was fully recorded and locked and loaded, um, but as always, what happens with me during Mercury Retrograde is um, I feel like my schedule has been planned for me by someone who is homicidal and wants to take everything I have and leave nothing left but the skin on my bones to quote share in Moonstruck. Um, I cannot, uh, I cannot even tread for water. Uh, by the way, do you know what this sounds like? When I went to liberal arts college, nothing annoyed me more than when people would pretend to be busy. And I would always say like, Okay, well, you're not busy because school isn't real. Like, there would always be these girls. I went to Emerson in Boston. All right, we'll talk about it. But there were all of these girls who were like musical theater girls, and you'd get in the elevator with them, and they'd be like, oh, my God, I'm so stressed. I have five auditions today. And it would be like, well, you have an audition, like, for the school production. You're not, like, like, you're not, like, running up and down Broadway. Do I, like, you're not like Britney Spears and her manager, like, going to Times Square. Is this registering? Anyway, so whenever I, like, complain about being busy, I feel like I sound like one of those people. Because, by the way, everything I do is fun. My life is great, okay? I I don't, I really don't want to, like, take on that tone. I just want to say, like, um, it is all hands on deck. And uh, I am looking to uh, start um, outsourcing some of the labor. Okay. Um... Where to begin? I would just say generally, Mercury retrograde has uh, classically as an Aquarius rising. You know, I have Jupiter and Saturn moving up and down my first house, which usually means something going on with weight gain. And we are going through a kind of body image dysmorphia um, meltdown. Uh I have been working out more and eating more purposefully and then putting on weight, which I, of course, can't handle. And my therapist was like, well, you know, you were terrorized and betrayed when you were younger um, for putting on weight and you've been under eating for the last 10 years um, to avoid not having a flat stomach. So that's kind of devastating and we don't have a way out of this. I mean, there is a way out, which is, uh, we also talked about this in therapy, where we talked about the concept of when someone, quote, lets herself go. And my therapist was like, yeah, that means that she's free. Um, Anyways, I'll leave that, you know, I'll leave that to the people to think about. I will say that last week I was coming back from a glorious upstate visit, and I was on the L train, and... Suddenly, you know, I was going through this at the highest level, never felt more dissociated from my body, which is really saying something. And who gets on the train? Um, a An armada of um, thin gays in kind of high socks, converse, uh, crop tops, and short shorts. 
So I started going through my usual rigmarole. They're all fit, blah, blah, blah. I'm not blah, blah, blah. And then I looked at them and I understood. They're from New Jersey. Okay? They were all going to the Thai Sunderland tea at $3 bill. Okay, so hello, kiss of death. Um, Also, like, deal with the devil, by the way. Because once you let them in, there's no going back. They're from New Jersey. Why was I comparing myself to them? I I mean, this is how sick things have gotten for me. I I, I really had this moment where I was like, oh, God, you're you're doing this to laugh at me. And I have to get on with it. Okay. Um, I did go to the Carrie Nation this weekend, which was not good. You have to understand that if you are not blasted on ecstasy, that music sucks. Don't tease Murphy's Law and then not play Murphy's Law. Melissa Rich made the excellent point of like, what would happen to these gays in this space if they played Aqua right now? And I said they, they couldn't handle it because they live in fear. I really need to dance to real music with lyrics. Okay, I'm sorry I'm so negative today. Um, So, I do want to say I had my first Reese Day last week, week, Reese Beach. It was actually lovely. And um, some of the girls were really going at it, which I love to see, like really making out hardcore. Um, Thank God. Um, Okay, here's the reports. Halle Berry's tweet about Catwoman. It's great. Look it up. She has a great sense of humor. She gets no credit for what she's done. She was a, she, you know, she did not deserve what they did to her in X-Men. And by the way, classically, uh, before X-Men three, when she was threatening not to come back, unless they gave her like a, a part basically for storm. I wrote a letter in eighth grade to 20th century Fox asking for retribution, asking for justice for her, Um, And I think I made a huge difference because I do think X3 is a bad movie, but she's very good in it. Her hair looks good in it. She has a great line delivery when she says, um, Logan, if you want to be with us, then be with us. Um, Her Catwoman. First of all, everyone should watch Catwoman for Pride. Okay. Everyone should watch Catwoman starring Halle Berry and Sharon Stone and Alex Borstein in some of the worst acting of all time. Everyone should watch Catwoman. Um, also, listen, you know, I, I always say that Halle Berry is a very good sport because in Cloud Atlas, they made her up to be an old um, Korean man. And that is something that Jennifer Aniston will not do. OK. Um, all right. The news is and this is a game changer. I watched Set It Off for the first time. Okay, you have to understand Thelma and Louise is my favorite movie and the fact that I'd never seen Set It Off is big. So I had just seen Bound, also from 1996, also a lesbian heist thriller. And now I have seen Set It Off, which stars Vivica A. Fox, Jada Pinkett, Queen Latifah, and Kimberly Elise. Classically, the love interest for Jada Pinkett is Blair Underwood, whom we all remember from that episode of SVU. Isn't he a pyro in that episode? Or or is he dating a pyro? He is incinerated in that episode, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Um, Also, you know, I don't love the mainstreaming of Christopher Maloney lust. Like, you know, I I just don't like it being ruined by like it, it, 
let let us lust after Christopher Maloney and like don't turn this into a thing. Okay, don't ruin this for the rest of us. Um, set it off as major. Um, I was truly thrilled from the moment it started to the moment it ended. They don't make them like that anymore. And they, by the way, they could have made it yesterday and it would be completely unchanged, totally germane, totally relevant. Queen Latifah never been more embodied. Um, God, Vivica is so fucking good too. Um, that scene, you know what I'm going to talk about in Kill Bill. Um, when she's grabbing the cereal to shoot Uma Thurman and she goes, very funny, bitch. Very funny. (laughs) Um, Vivica's major. So, uh, yeah, you don't listen. I just I, I just wrote a piece about this. You'll see it. So just watch Set It Off. Or do whatever you want. No one's putting a gun to your head, okay? Um, Dua Lipa's new music video makes absolutely no sense, but it really soothes me, as all of her videos do. I think there's really something to be said for just, like, being hot. Um, the new Doja Cat video, I will say. I sound, by the way, I sound 3,000 years old when I say her name. Do you, do you, like, I am literally that old. Um, I think the makeup's great. I told Chiquitita she should be doing that makeup. She says it's already been done. Um, Grimes, a Claire Boucher, is in the video, um, just kind of being a girly. Let her have some fun, okay? Um, but I think the references in the video are very excellent. I, I think it's called Need to Know. It's great. Um, I saw Cabaret. Finally, classically, I'd never seen it. I did see the live performance with Emma Stone, which was good, but I get it. You know, I get why the old fags are the way they are about Liza. I get it. I get it. You just can't replace that. And by the way, I did watch the first episode of that Halston show. I think that actress who plays Liza is very good, but it's just not the sort of thing you can... Liza's don't really come out of a factory. Like, she's truly singular. You know what I mean? There's only one. Um, No one told me Michael York was, like, drop-dead gorgeous. Is it me or... Does Liza Minnelli remind everyone of Tyler Ashley? That's the big thing that no one's talking about, okay? Um, What is this note I wrote down? Terminator of weight coming to kill me and I'm Sarah Connor in a cell. Yeah, that's that pretty much sums it up for you. Um, I did watch To Die For, uh, which I haven't seen since I watched it on Israeli TV at like midnight in 2009 in my grandmother's apartment. I hate to say this. Joaquin Phoenix is very hot in it. And he's very good in it. Like, I, it pains me to say that, but I think he does excellent job in that movie. Um, that is... I don't know that we talk about that movie enough in terms of Nicole's legacy, but it is, like, kind of the definitive Nicole Kidman performance. And, like, watching her do the hours, you kind of laugh because To Die For is actually who she really is. And when you listen to her Mark Maron performance where she's just like, I'm a mom and I love acting. It's like, no, you are this character from To Die For. Obviously, I'm obsessed with Ileana Douglas. Where is she? Um, Ileana Douglas is on Six Feet Under. She has sex with Rico. Um, 
And uh, she's the kind of like mortician who's too wild for the Fishers. And she's also classically the teacher in Ghost World, who has the film called Mirror Father, um, and who like actually does stick up for Ghost World is a movie everyone should be watching right now because what it does about like art and race actually. Hmm, interesting that it's kind of come back to that. Um, but Matt Dillon. I just like I don't know what it is but and I know that I'm like so boxed in and pathetic Mm. and that my like desire is so colonized but like oh Matt Dillon okay last night I took myself to the Roxy Hotel which is gorgeous and actually does make you believe in Tribeca you know what I mean Uh, and it makes you believe even in Soho dare I say um they have a theater. If anyone from the Roxy is listening, I would love to host a screening series there every month. Let's talk. I took myself yesterday uh, to heal from the psychic revelations revol- regarding my own sexual abuse and how it relates to uh, my weight and the power dynamics I ascribe to relationships. I went to go see the most healing movie of all time, The Talented Mr. Ripley. What is there for me to say about that movie that I have not already said? First of all, you can comfort Gwyneth Paltrow as much as you'd like, but when you watch that movie, you know, okay? When when Matt Damon is in the bathrobe and he's like, there, I said it. I loved you, Marge. And she goes, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I don't believe a single word you've said. Come on, okay? Um, Jude Law, I mean, Ruby and I, you know, we'll have Ruby back to do the Jude Law astrology episode. He is, he he looks like the god Apollo. I mean, he's literally the sun god in that movie. And Matt Damon, of course, you know, in the way that I think Nicole Kidman is the character from To Die For, I think Matt Damon is the talented Mr. Ripley. And of course, you, you know they didn't write Goodwill Hunting, okay? They didn't write it. Um, he has a very, he, he's kind of twink goals in that movie in a very weird way. Very perky butt. Okay. Um, but listen, and I hate to even say this too. Philip Seymour Hoffman is iconic. Philip Seymour Hoffman insulting Matt Damon's decor choices when he said, did this place come furnished? He goes, did this place come furnished? It's horrible. So bourgeois. Um, And listeners who listen to the great episode I did with Tim Platt on the astrology of Hadrian will recognize in Matt Damon's um, uh, house in Venice, no, in Rome, in his room in Rome, uh, the bust of Hadrian, which he uses to kill Philip Seymour Hoffman. I do love that that movie has a gay love story with the character Peter Smith Kingsley. God forbid I I go to Rome and fall in love with like a gorgeous, rich British uh, piano man. Not a piano man, a pianist. No, never again, no more pianist. But, um, He's great. He wears turtlenecks. Um, he goes to the opera with Gwyneth. Also, I'm sorry, I could go on for hours about this movie. That movie is not a big role for Kate Blanchett, and it came out in this weird moment right after 
Elizabeth, but it was filmed before anyone knew that she was, like, Elizabeth. So it's not a big role, but she just fucking tears it. Like, it's kind of... um, You could see that morphing straight into Blue Jasmine, or as my mother calls it, Jasmine Blue. Okay. I want to say, you know that the New Mutants are my favorite. I now have a New Mutants poster above my desk. Thank you, Midtown Comics, Grand Central, which I went to after visiting Dr. Maya Deshmukh, my favorite dentist. I have a Danny Moonstar action figure above my bed who I asked to protect me in my sleep and fire down any nightmares. She's getting better, I think. Um, The New Mutants are my vibe. Magic is my number one. The newest issue, uh, which I read on the Spurring On of the Cerebro podcast, which I love and celebrate, which is a queer X-Men Talmudic discourse. The new issue of The New Mutants features um, a resolution of the lesbian... um, disabled Vietnamese mutant named uh, Karma. This was besides for the character it being like the first issue where someone really gave her justice in all of her publication history it was a deeply profound issue. Vida Ayala and Rod Reese like really, I feel like they personally did me a solid with that issue and it like really I think it's it, it's all about closure and death and rebirth, which, you know, that's kind of the bread and butter uh, around here at Odyssey Studios. So I just want to say, like, if you ever need recommendations for comics to read, etc., etc., or where to get started with The New Mutants, here I am, because it really has taken me on an emotional ride that I'm so grateful for. And I think the metaphors with the New Mutants are more profound than with the others because it's an international chosen family, very queer, all of whom have their own backgrounds and their own kind of inner worlds, you know? So I, ch- I could go on for hours. Um, I'm almost done with Lost Girls, classic, classically the Alan Moore, Melinda Gebby graphic novel series about... Alice from Wonderland, Dorothy from Oz, and Wendy from Neverland meeting up as middle-aged adult women at an Austrian hotel on the eve of World War One and fucking. And it is everything you think it is and more. Um, okay. In celebration of Pride, I'm very grateful for Anthony Michael Lopez for being here. We are going to cover Marsha P. Johnson's astrology. Um, I learned a lot. It was a really fun, fun and like you know, everything you want it to be. So, um, thank you for being here. And, um, I would say buckle up because the next few episodes are going to be bangers. Mwah. And so it has begun. It is pride month. Uh, and I am reluctantly, uh, forced to, uh, show some solidarity with my people. (laughs) As such, uh, we are doing a really special episode. Uh, We are doing the astrology of Marsha P. Johnson. And to do that, um, I I am welcoming first-time Luminaries guest, um, star of the new movie, Desert Inn, Anthony Michael Lopez. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me, David Odyssey. So you suggested Marsha P. Johnson, which frankly, it's like a 
kind of a no-brainer, but I just hadn't thought of it before. And I'm just curious about your connection with her, with her legacy, why you suggested this, etc. Well, Marsha, obviously iconic. Um, I feel like in a lot of ways, she's become like the face of pride, like the mm -hmm. face of pride month in, in a lot of ways. But I am interested in talking about Marsha P. Johnson um, and looking at her astrology through the lens of the intersection of queerness and disability, because she was not only an advocate for, dis for uh, queer and gay and trans rights, but also for dis disability rights. Mm. So as a disabled actor myself, I'm, you know, that's something that I'm obviously interested in. It's personal to me. So, um, and I don't think disability gets in, included enough into the conversation about, uh, you know, diversity and inclusion. So I, you know, I know about her, uh, her mental, her history of, of mental illness. Uh, some of it is probably not mental illness in context. And some of it actually in context is sounds like untreated mental illness, but uh, I did not know about the disability advocacy she did. And I'm wondering if you mm -hmm. can maybe fill me in on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, her organization called star, which I don't remember. It's a, it's an acronym and I don't remember what every letter letter is for. But we've got the internet, so why don't I just pull that up? Yeah, I'm looking to. Um, uh, so let's see, stars. Star, oh, it's star. Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, and and I should have known that. <laughs> I should have known that too, as as the person who suggested Marsha P. Johnson, I should have. But uh, yeah, she was uh, that organization in particular uh, was focused on um, advocating for uh, you know affordable or free healthcare for uh, disabled trans people hmm. uh mostly for you know trans people without homes um living on the street so yeah it's really interesting with her um and shane o'neill did a very very good new york times um video about this which is she is basically the face of pride and she's so associated with stonewall and when you actually like do a minute of digging it's like oh actually she had this very vast presence far beyond that uh, much preceding that and um until her her murder in 1992 so she, you know she was kind of a big player through aids through act up etc etc and like as a performer as kind of a multi-hyphenate she had a very vast career all of which i'm just uh, excited to discuss with you so you are no spring chicken when it comes to astrology so i think this will be a really fun one um so everyone knows we don't have Marsha's um, exact birth time, which is to say we don't have her rising sign, which uh, we've had the situation happen before when we did uh, Nora Ephron and Nas's Nas uh, chart. Uh, we did not have their rising, and I think we still were able to kind of piece together a lot more. So we won't really be working with houses today. We're just going to be working with uh, signs and the fundamentals. With that said, we have plenty more to work with. So to begin, um, Marsha B. Johnson is a Virgo. Um, What's interesting with Virgo is I think that obviously because Virgos have such a high population of serial killers, Virgos are known as total neurotics and lunatics, they get a certain kind of rap. But actually, the sign Virgo, it's 
primary function and motivation is to be of service you know virgo wants to know what its role is in um in, in being of use and helping and kind of um throwing its itself and its body into a cause so uh, or a project so i was actually quite delighted to find out that she was a virgo i me too and it makes sense to me I have also been talking with my friends a lot about um, the sun sign and sort of the kind of, I don't know, the the emphasis on the sun sign. Like when you say like she is a Virgo, when, when people identify as a specific astrological sign, people are always these days talking about their sun sign. So I'm curious, I was going to ask you, like, what do you think the role of the sun sign is? I've heard other people's interpretation of the sun sign. What do you think its importance is? What do you like? You know what I mean? Like, I let's talk that. about sun. Let's talk about sun. I love that. And yeah, like, just to put that in context, sun, people only really started associating with their sun signs over the last century because as newspapers were doing horoscopes, they needed a way to simplify it. So they really went just straight in for sun and that became the kind of primary indicator. If you go back to ancient Egypt, it was all about the ascendant okay so it it this is something that's definitely in flux and yes i agree the sun is really like i i totally agree like especially when people will ask me like well i'm a cancer and my boyfriend's a libra what does that mean it's like well that's kind of like a fraction of a fraction of the equation you know so the sun to me is very much the outer presentation and the kind of um the immediate ray of light that you're kind of serving i do think that sun is kind of if we think about i don't know why my mind goes here but if we think about like how the germans were like well if you have a drop of jewish blood you're going into the camps this is okay sorry about that but there is this aspect which is like yes you could be a virgo sun and have all these other aspects but on some fundamental level you're seen by the world as a virgo um i really think the sun because the sun is so visible um and it's so radiant i think of the sun a lot with like outer presentation and kind of where you emerge what do you feel about that I heard somebody um, recently describe the sun as like the battery of the chart, like the bat, mm. like the, the um, because, you know, the sun, if we think about it in, in terms of like animism and how we are all the earth and we are all the, you know, the plants, if we think about ourselves like plants, plants get energy from the sun. And so if we think about it, if we think about like human lives in, in similar terms, um, you can sort of, I don't know, it just, that makes sense to me too, but I love it as like, the spotlight of the chart. I like that. Yeah, I think I associate the sun certainly with vitality. I think that when it comes to the idea of a battery, Mars is important because Mars is really tied in with the drive. So a lot of the like push comes from Mars, but I think a lot of that, yeah, a lot of that vitality and like renewal comes from the sun, which I think is also why like, yeah, knowing the element that your sun is in, on some level is going to pay off because it's mm -hmm. like, yes, an earth, an earth sign on some level will be able to recharge through nature, etc. Mm -hmm. So I do think in that regard, uh, you're quite right. Um, and if we think about her shining as a Virgo, I think that really works. Um, I love that. Yeah. I just, I love, I love thinking about it in terms of a verb. 
Like it's an ongoing process. She's shining through her Virgo. Yes. And it's really interesting because she played a lot of roles. Uh, she had, which is a whole nother part of astrology we'll get into. And I think there was a lot of shifting around and she kind of was like five things at once at all times, which is like performer and activist um, and a few other things. But I think her, uh, the cohesion of that i mean let's just talk about that she has her mars and uranus in gemini mm -hmm. mars is that kind of drive this is what i'm doing this is what i want to do it's in gemini gemini is this hyper versatile sign it's this very adhd sign it's like i i think of tell me well okay i i was reading about her last night and i'm just noticing this uranus mars conjunction in gemini and um mm -hmm. One of the things that I read last night was that she she had this duality. So she would sometimes present as a male and she would, you know, she had a, a reputation not only for being super nurturing and progressive, but also for being, um, she could be violent. She had these outbursts and she was banned from a lot of bars um, in New York. So this, this looks like that. Thank you for saying that. So there's a lot there. Um, yes, she there is this you know she is known as the mayor of uh what is it the mayor of the west village or whatever yeah okay uh, that is not me sorry my tone of bitterness is not with her it is with the like the institutionality of gay cliches you know what i mean i'm just yeah. so like even just talking about stonewall is just like all right you know there's just this like i have been beaten to death by straight people with this shit okay yeah um so. <laughs> yeah mars in gemini to me is very um jack of all trades great amount of versatility um but yes there is that duality and mars is really individualistic and really driven and when it's in a sign like gemini which is this air sign that is so tapped into everything around it it can it's hard to feel like a a, a direct channel of expression is being accessed mm -hmm. uranus as we know yeah go well, on i just uh, yeah i just i just think it's also really important that I, I, how do I put this? I think it's really important not to sanctify Marsha P. Johnson too much, to recognize that that she had such an incredible, a profound impact on the queer community, but that she was a human being and she was not immune to the impact of transphobia, especially you know in the context in which she was alive so like it's i think like i i get a little i don't know i just get a little like uh trepidatious to talk about that part of her personality when i read that last night i had all of this like anxiety like oh god are we gonna bring this up how are we gonna talk about this because she's got this kind of saintly um reputation well, you know, and yeah i loved reading about how the flowers that she all often wore in her hair sometimes it's because she would sleep the night under the the booths at the flower market you know i agree with you it's almost like there is this um sanctification that's happened and this kind of like um 
this gloss and this this gossamer quality and it's it's very uncomfortable to go back and break that fantasy by admitting to the that this person was flawed or had shortcomings and that those shortcomings her life was not easy (laughs) that's the thing like we have to acknowledge that she was traumatized exactly she Um, she was carrying around like we all are right she was a human being she was you know Right, no, but she was a survivor of sexual assault. You know, yeah. she was one of six. Um, she did not grow up in a very affirming uh, background slash worlds, um, mm. which is the other thing too. Is just like, you know, she identified as a queen, trans identity, whatever. You know, which I'm not saying is such an end all be all, but so so much of what she was was so liminal, mm. and yes, it. it she can't fully be boxed um, one way or another, which actually is very much her Uranus in Gemini, which is like Uranus is this very queer planet. And it's this very like mischievous planet of like, oh, you thought you got me, you didn't. So I do love that her Uranus is in Gemini, which is just like, no, I'm always going to kind of slip away from definition. There's always going to be like, However, I think interpersonally that's really hard because when you have Mars and Uranus together, Uranus wants to blow everything up and Mars is explosive. So there's already this kind of sense that that's happening and both of them are squaring her moon. When Mars is squaring the moon, it leads to a bit of um, uh, when I was researching it, it's like offense defense, which is like you have this very sensitive feminine side, especially because her moon's in Pisces, but then it's squaring her Mars, which is like, no, this is what I want. This is me. And, and it's it's this overcorrection of defensiveness uh, to maybe um, overcompensate for being so open and warm. You know, it, it's almost like that, that mayoral persona and that warm persona, there's a balance to that. Hello, Gemini. There's like a bit of a balance there, which is like, an imbalance in some ways, which is like, um, I think a temper rage. And with that Uranus, there's a sense of itinerancy, the sense of like, I actually don't fit in here. You aren't my people. Like this, just this sense of like, um, Uranus generally and Uranus in Mars, it's like, it's hard to fit in, you know? And that's another thing where it's like, you romanticize like, outcasts they don't belong but you know this is such a microscopic community and even in that community i think a lot of her own mental health stuff made it hard for her to um you know there there was difficulty there i love that that's such a nuanced take i mean this is why you're the professional astrologer and i'm the uh the googler no listen i think i think we're putting this together as we go i want to bring up that that mars in gemini though because i do want to say for all of the um mars in gemini i do think is good for like multi-hyphenates like yourself i think mars in gemini i know some mars in gemini's where it's like okay, she's kind of an actor and a director and she's maybe involved in fashion. Like, so there's that. And it's actually in a supportive trine with her son. So to me, what's going on is even though she kind of did a million things and never fully like landed on one role, 
it supports her son's emergence and her legacy as a Virgo, which for all the things she did, the Virgo embodiment, that authenticity is kind of what she's known for, which is even if she was performing or being an activist, whatever, it was all under a larger umbrella of service. You know, that's kind of what emerges, I think, in her legacy. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, I love that she has a Pisces moon. Where's your moon again? Oh, my God. Uh, Virgo. Oh, amazing. Where's yours? Where's uh, yours? Libra. Uh, okay. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah, it's too bad. Um, <laughs> I love a Pisces moon. Um, I think that of all the moon signs, um, this is the one that's like the motion a sequa. It's like um, MLK, Michelle Obama, Timothy Chalamet. There's just this like there's a star power and there's also just like Pisces is the opposite of Virgo. Pisces is like total self-sacrifice. Uh, there is no role. I, you know, ego death for the people. And when you see a Pisces moon, they're kind of these like, not heralds of the future, but they're definitely like children of the earth. You know, they're like, they truly are like of the people in this very beautiful way. Like they really just have this thing that anyone and everyone connects to. So I do love that even though her son is in Virgo um, and is really like, I am going to embody this thing and like be of service. Her moon, I her Pisces moon, I think is what made her a bit more iconic and more, beloved and memorable and it's like why we're still kind of talking about her you know mm -hmm. yeah um, and i wonder what that was like i wonder what her how her uh, pisces moon felt to her you know like i've got some friends who are who are pisces moons and um or who just who have a lot of pisces in their charts and it's just like sometimes their emotions are will literally take them out you know for days at a time um, which i know is can be any of us but, uh, you know, Pisces placements, I think, are usually known for uncontrollable, watery emotions, a flood of emotions. Yeah. And no, that, that's such an interesting point, which is like, she was clearly very connected with what was going on. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually think that the Uranus Gemini generation, the Uranus Gemini generation is like 1941 through 1949. So these kids, these are kids who were born like out of the depression into a war and then into this bizarre new America. So there's this hyper adaptability and this hyper mutability. So she's very in touch with, with what's going on, but I can definitely see, especially because it's squaring her Mars, there is just this sense of like, not, but what about me? But like, I, I can see that being totally um, kind of frying out your your circuit board of individual individuality mm. of like, well, what do I want for myself? And, and I think with that Pisces moon, yeah, there is this huge empathy and compassion and people are projecting onto you, but like, how do you see yourself, you know? Yeah, how does it feel to be you? Yes, um, oof, I love that. Um, you know, I love that um, 
she has uh, Jupiter, Neptune, and Chiron in Libra. Um, right on top of each other. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was interesting because we know that the kind of Stonewall period um the stonewall and the founding of the gay liberation front was actually when saturn was in virgo so when saturn was in virgo that was like uh, this moment where of action organization uh people really like putting themselves out there again in service so i love that it then progressed into as saturn moved into libra with the more like act up etc um and this idea of uh gay people um in the battle for justice it's as we're kind of crossing um with her she had this neptune in libra this jupiter in libra so i think for her she was able to tap into a consciousness um involving this kind of fight for justice which again with that pisces moon it's a bit more it's a bit more uh creative and visual and like beautiful i think like as opposed to someone like larry kramer right her embodiment of she is remembered obviously as this like servant of the people and someone who fought for justice but the neptunian aspect to me is kind of beautiful and same with the jupiter which is like she is embodying and synthesizing this like wisdom and grace and knowledge. Um, and she is an activist and she is outspoken, but it's more about like this thing she embodied than anything she said in particular. I mean, maybe not, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm wondering how you feel about that. Like this, this energy of like <clears throat> the fight for justice, she was sort of like a manifestation of that energy that was already happening she was like born out of that. that yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I just associate Libra not only with justice, but with harmony. And like, mm. there's something about her Neptune and her Jupiter in Libra. Neptune is like this imagination and this like collective consciousness. And Jupiter yeah. is this like synthesizing point of wisdom where it's like, she made it kind of beautiful like just by living in the authenticity rather than like speaking it you know yeah she she expanded it she blew it up which is another uh you know another yeah. quality of jupiter she she blew she blew the whole thing open mm, I love um, that. and has continued to that hasn't stopped marsha p johnson has you know is is the face now mm. of uh of this this fight that still is happening and i love that her Chiron is right on that Jupiter and Neptune, Neptune in Libra. So she, this was a personal fight for her. This was where her wound was. Justice, fairness, yes. she didn't have it. She was wounded yes. by the unfairness and she was able through that wound to communicate to the universe. Yes. Relate to um, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, she, she, you're 1989? 85. Oh, 89. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I never would have guessed. Okay. Um, where is your Lilith then, may I ask? My Lilith is in the first house. 
So you're Lilith my, and Taurus? My, yeah, I'm Lilith okay. and Taurus. Let me just double yeah. check. Okay, I love that. Um, so I am 1990 uh so mm -hmm. anyone in the kind of 1990 cohort uh is your lilith and taurus i love that okay yeah lilith in scorpio Ooh. uh is anyone born in the kind of 1990 world is a lilith and scorpio so it's very intense it's very just like this to me is i think probably i, I associate lilith and scorpio a lot with the reconciliation with uh, sexual abuse. And it's this idea of like this abuse of power and this violation. And, you know, this Lilith and Scorpio generation has been traumatized and like kicked out of paradise um, for speaking about it. And obviously like I've talked a lot, you know, this is, this is also you and I are in the Pluto Scorpio generation, which is a lot of like the Harvey Weinstein, me too stuff but lilith and scorpio there's just this like really complicated relationship with sexuality which is like the violence of it and the power of it is all getting kind of enmeshed and like all of it is being put out um okay because i'm i'm an armchair astrologer i no. would love to hear your uh interpretation of lilith like how how do you think about lilith when you see it in someone's chart what what okay. is she I've been thinking about her a lot. Do you read X-Men comics? Because she's been coming no. up for me a lot lately. She's like in the X-Men quite a lot in a lot of the oh. archetypes. If you think about like Dark Phoenix or Madeline Pryor, et cetera, et cetera. But Lilith to me, and I'm curious what you think about this because I want to hear about your Lilith and Taurus. Like Lilith is this moment of exile where you are being punished for on one level or another speaking some fundamental truth and uh wanting to claim something that is your own divine entitlement and the larger dominant social order which could be your mother it could be your boyfriend or it could be like the world we live in uh is going to exile you for it is going to kick you out of the garden of eden for it and then lilith becomes this like reclamation point you know when i think about my lilith and scorpio like I am a survivor of sexual abuse, but then I also was a go-go dancer. So there was this weird, like, it was this like really jagged reclamation of sexual power where I had to like put it in people's face in this and in my own face in this really fucked up way. And that to me is how I see my Lilith and Scorpio. What are you feeling? How are you feeling about your Lilith? I'm oh my God. Well, uh, I just had my, my Lilith return recently yes. like just in the last couple of months so if we're talking about like being kicked out for for speaking or for doing for what, what do you mean it can out? be it, it's it's exile i think that can be an exile of sexuality an mm -hmm. exile of femininity an exile of agency it's anything that would kind of piss off the dominant social order this makes sense to me i mean okay. like yeah I guess Lilith and Taurus, Taurus is about sensuality, um, groundedness, luxury, comfort, physicality in some ways. And like, I just had my, I just had my Lilith return and like the last couple of months I've been working really deeply with, uh, with uh, attachment theory, which has really helped me uh, 
feel comfortable telling the truth about how I'm actually feeling and learning skills about how to communicate that in a supportive, compassionate, loving way. Um, Cause I feel like, you know, I feel like I've, I've been, I feel like I was raised to be kind of silent about emotions that were uncomfortable or unacceptable. And I'm just now at 35 starting to kind of embody myself, I think um, fully, that's my goal. And this is like the last, this is like the last few months. I feel like I, I feel like I am just now starting to like, like strengthen the muscles that help other people see me uh, authentically. I don't well, think I've ever done that before. That. Yeah. I mean, you know, Taurus and Scorpio are two sides of a coin, you know, and Scorpio is all about this uh, abusive power that happens when people are in relationships mm. and people taking ownership over each other. Taurus is all about ownership of the self. Mm. Taurus is all about this is what I have, you know? So I love that there's this idea of attachment theory, which correct me if I'm wrong, is so much about enmeshment and so much yeah. about like, um, subsuming one's own selfhood for another that your Lilith and Taurus is like, uh, uh, I'm taking it all back. And I don't care if it seems like crazy, I'm taking it all back, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how I experience it. Wow. And that, that Lilith and Taurus to me is so Grace Jones doing her rider. Have you seen that where it's like, Miss Jones will require and it's like the most unbelievable thing. And it's like, yeah, good for you. Like make your fucking demands. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's how it feels like, uh, you know, I've always been really careful about how I I, I've always tried to like anticipate how other people were going to perceive me and make sure that I was like, and uh, make sure that I was uh, doing the things that met their imagined expectations in my head. Mm. Um, and to the point where I, I was doing it, it was so deep in me that I wasn't even aware that I was necessarily doing that. Yeah, you know? I understand. I fully understand. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, Lilith in Scorpio to me is about you have been punished for your authenticity. You know, we know that as a child, she was wearing dresses um, and she was abused for it um, and that there was, she suffered sexual abuse as a child too. So, and just her whole life, you know, this is the other glossy sheen that like needs to be addressed. Um, You know, Sylvia Rivera was not so beloved in her own time. You know, gay men were not so great to these women. So this authenticity and this kind of sheen that we put on this whole narrative of like, well, then she made it to the West Village and like lived her truth. It's like, yeah, but like it, the Lilith aspect never really stopped, you know? I was just thinking that things were hard for her the whole time, her whole yeah. life. Right. And just because she's famous now doesn't mean that she was rich and comfortable when she was alive. And like, I love that there's that Sarah Shulman quote i think it's in gentrification of the mind where she's like oh please all of the men at those act up meetings were wearing those leather jackets because like that was the hot look and they were coming to act up meetings yes as activists but also to cruise so like you know there was a dominant order here uh and she was a huge 
uh, she was able that that Uranus Gemini and that Virgo, she was able to find a way to serve it. But I think she was still an outcast. And, you know, what's amazing about her Scorpio is that we see Vesta, Eros and Ceres, three asteroids. Ceres is Demeter. Ceres is this kind of uh, all mother. Um, She's a suffering all mother, though, because she loses her daughter and Demeter goes through the suffering of winter and then the rebirth of spring. We then have Vesta. Vesta represents this kind of um, these ecstatic rites and rituals, these kind of ancient priestesses who would devote their 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 body, their power to these kind of higher divine feminine. So to me, when I see that Vesta in that series, there's almost her authenticity was like sacred and her authenticity was her gift, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that mother theme, I think when we see the North node, the Saturn and the Venus and cancer, I think that giving and that compassion is very furthered, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty essential. How do you feel about all that cancer? Um, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. I'm curious what you think about how would you characterize the North node? I've heard a lot of people talk about it in different ways, but. Yes. Uh, and we're yeah. having an eclipse on the North node on June 10th in Gemini. Mm-hmm. Um, the South node is where you're coming from. Um, it's kind of what's familiar, which is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, sometimes a South node thing will bring you in touch with like your people, but it's kind of where you're coming from. The North node to me is where you're going. Um, so the North node is like the higher consciousness point. What I love with her that's so archetypal is a South node in Capricorn to me, I'm like, yeah, she was one of six. Um, they didn't have a lot of money growing up. It's very South Node Capricorn, which is growing up in a scarcity mentality, growing up in a kind of survival mentality. Not that that ever changed for her, but when you have a North Node in Cancer, it's like Cancer is the sign of the tribe. Cancer is the sign of nourishment. Cancer is the sign of home. So there is this kind of, and also I just learned this last weekend, but like, the Cancer Capricorn divide is very gendered. You know, a, a lot of trans stuff happens in the Cancer Capricorn divide because Capricorn is so masculine, even though it's an earth sign, so it's technically feminine, but Capricorn is so father and mm. Cancer is so mother, you know? So the North Node in Cancer, especially with that Venus in Cancer, is the transness, it is the community. Um, it is the family and it is embracing this kind of maternal role. Um, right. She's like, she's like pointing the way toward community for all of us. Yes. And she's being led there too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So she is Pluto and Leo. Um, I don't know. I thought about that in terms of the way that she was, you know, Pluto and Leo is generational, but regardless, like she was punished for her self presentation. And I think she really came Pluto and Leo. It's really complicated. And I think there's this aspect of like, 
you and I are in a very like identity generation and we're in this generation that's very much about like branding and claiming your own um your own version of embodiment and I think the Pluto and Leo generation that would that sort of thing that's what was kind of getting destroyed with the Pluto and Leo generation which is like you don't you know maybe there's me presuming but I think it's really about like it's these kind of conservative ideas about self-presentation and about how much space you take up and about like you don't want to be too presumptuous you know and that of course by the time I think Pluto was in Virgo, I think in the 70s, no. Yeah, probably Virgo and Libra in the 70s, we then have the me decade, so that shifts. But there's some sort of a thing with Pluto and Leo, which is like, how much space are people supposed to be taking up? Um, you know, with Pluto and Libra, it's happening in the 40s and the depression. There's this aspect of like... Um, this expected like death of the self for the country um, and like uniformity. So I think like her Pluto and Libra is just indicative of like the ways that she showed herself or expressed or Pluto, herself. Pluto and Leo. Right? I'm sorry, Pluto and Leo. Thank you. Thank you. Pluto and Leo. I think like there were consequences for the way she expressed herself, but that is also that embodiment is also like this site of her recreation and her dignity, you know? Sure. So like Pluto is there, like she is sort of representing like the Pluto and Leo generation is in that she's, she's tearing down like assumptions and expectations about how people are supposed to express their identities. Yes. In this time. Um, yes. And there's just this, like this radicalism of self-presentation and you know leo is so embodied yeah and leo confers dignity on others through that embodiment um there's this aspect that like by being willing to tear down the kind of like outer layers of self-presentation to get by she's you know the pluto leads to these these rewards these gifts um uh you know this this emerging new self which is obviously the world is just now kind of catching up with um yeah beautiful um, and it's right near her ic too yes which to me is really speaking to the childhood sexual abuse the childhood abuse for kind of like not that her self-presentation uh warranted any abuse but the ways that she had to learn that in embracing herself in the world she came from there there would be these consequences um and once she kind of could find you know as she escaped that world she was able to kind of fully embrace herself but i think because it's at the root of her chart a lot of that a lot of that freedom of self-expression there is this theme of destruction there and yeah you know, and you know annihilation um yeah so what what other aspects of her do you want to talk about or or explore i am really interested <clears throat> in how uh astrology sort of displays or represents disability great great I love in people's that. lives and I don't really have, I mean, I've got very loose ideas about what that means. I don't know that I necessarily see it in her chart, but I'm curious if you do. And like, 
you know, this idea of like, cause, cause, you know, with disability, there's, it's interesting because like a quarter of the population of the United States identifies as disabled, right? But like in the media, for example, there's like, you know, 8% of characters in narrative media are disabled. And of that 8%, like 2% are played by people with actual disabilities. Mm-hmm. So there is this, this like aversion in our, uh, in, in our society to people whose bodies don't look, don't work in, this, in, in the expected way. We don't have space for it. And I wonder if we can see that in, in her chart. I wonder if you can. I mean, it, it would be easier if we had the houses, but. Yeah. Because um, I would look at that sixth house, but yeah. Virgo. I know it's a tricky question. Okay. No, Virgo. no, no. First of all, I love that you, you're saying this. I mean, the first thing that I just want to say is that, like, disabilities in relation to queerness disability to me is like another closet to come out of Absolutely. which is like with queerness or disability i think if you exist in both of those spheres and like correct me if i'm wrong but if you exist in both of those spheres it's like once you affirm one of those identities like you're gonna have to affirm the next one because you've already left you've already left the mainstream so now you're just going to keep progressing right yeah yeah and it's an ongoing thing i mean it's you know yeah. Right. Like you don't come out, you don't come out as either queer or disabled once and then it's done. You know, you do it every day. Yes. Every that. time you enter the world, uh, you have, you do it. You have to make that choice. Yes. Uh, and you're always choosing. To me, you know, Virgo is so much about the body. It mm. is so much about the presentation of the body. And her Virgo is supported. It's in a sextile with her Uranus and Gemini. Uranus and Gemini to me, um, for all the ways that it's scattered and for all the itinerancy that it, it imparts upon an individual's life, it also exposes, it kind of exposes the queer imagination to a host of intersections um which i think is like why a lot of probably the uranus in gemini generation um was able to fight really well in the act up arena um because it allows for a wider framework which is gemini which is like there's all of these things happening at once rather than just one focused pathway so that the diversity of that uranus gemini in a sextile with her son in virgo to me puts the theme of embodiment on like a larger spectrum which i think gave her a bit more of a point of view there so that's one Mm -hmm. um her son And, you know, this is so broad, but her son is opposing her moon and it's a battle between Virgo and Pisces, which is hyper embodiment versus total disembodiment. Love that. So, you know, this to me does not specifically answer the disabilities question. This to me answers the this to me is more about this idea of like 
intersectionality. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. more what I see in her chart. Um, yeah, that's what I see in her chart. And, you know, if we had houses, we'd have a little bit more, but I think especially also with her Jupiter in Libra and that that Jupiter ruling Pisces where she has her moon, mm -hmm. it is kind of like justice for all. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very large framework. Um, and I think that that's big for her. Right. She's not just thinking about one issue. Yeah. Yeah. I just love that she's, I love that she's also thinking about, she's thinking about disability. She's thinking about, you know, healthcare access, access for yes. her community. Yes. Uh, she's thinking about making them healthy, giving them resources. It's gorgeous. It's not just about, um, it's not just about sort of like accept us. It's about take care of us. Uh, That's the us. Support yeah. our bodies. Yeah. That to me is the Venus North Node Saturn in Cancer. The Saturn in Cancer it. especially is like, how are we going to feed them? Yeah, and, you know, yeah. you're you're a Virgo Sun with this with this Cancer, which is like, okay, what's like the plan here? Like, uh, yeah. rather than just right now, which is like any corporation can say like, we love Pride. Yeah, that Cancer is like, okay, how are we like feeding the children? How are we like getting them healthcare? You know super practical but then the saturn and the venus uh conjunct each other in cancer so it's this super yeah yeah well yeah but i think also like that venus might might um soften the the push that saturn is is sort of exerting on her it might it might sweeten it it might you know um yes. especially like venus and cancer it might you know uh I don't know, it might open her heart to to uh, the practicalities in a, in a certain way. And actually in the, the inverse of that is that the compassion, the compassion is given a practical application. Sure. I think the reason that she's kind of famous and beloved, I've met a lot of queer people like this, and I've certainly met a lot of people in the drag spectrum who, who are like this, where it's like, you are such an open heart that I don't know how you're supposed to exist in this world. Yeah. And I think her Venus and Saturn allowed for that, that compassion and that open heart with a little bit of grit and like a little bit of like, okay, this is how we're going to get through this, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, rather than like, she was too, she was too sensitive for this world or whatever. Sure. Um, Can we talk about the MC in Aquarius? The MC... I am not sure if the MC was in Aquarius because we we don't have her rising. Oh, okay. I know this is illusory Bummer. what we're looking at, but yeah. I don't think I would love to think that the MC is in Aquarius. That totally Word. makes sense for to me, but we don't uh, we don't have that. Okay. Yeah. Next. <laughs> yeah. What else are you curious about? I mean, I I, I yeah I, I would love to. The Virgo is wrapped up in the disability thing one way or another. Mm. Yeah. I think I'm lacking without the houses. I, I can't fully speak to that. Yeah. It's just, it's not enough. Like I really want to see the houses and yeah. I wonder, you know, I wonder if her birth certificate is floating out there one day and we can do like a part two and, and <laughs> do a more like yes. accurate deep dive. But I don't know. I feel like we covered, 
a lot. Me too. A Me lot. Too. She's, I mean, I see in, in this chart, I see leadership. I see compassion. I see the, the, the motivation to uh, like lead the charge, um, like energized by the wounds. Like mm. I see that, I see that here, um, you know, as well as the tempestuousness. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. We did a lot. Um, well, thank you. And yeah. Marsha, thank you for being with us. Um, so what's going on with you? Where can people be following you? Oh, okay. like, what's up? What's happening? Yeah, what's up? What's happening? Okay. Well, um, so I just got, oh, I just got done uh, shooting a mini series called Desert Inn That's... and it's phenomenal. Uh, and it comes out June 4th. It's a mini series. So parts one and two come out June 4th. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's an all-star cast. We have Justin Vivian Bond in the cast. We have Raviv Allman, who you might remember as Phil of the Future uh, yes. on Disney. Uh, Isabel Leonard, who is like one of the premier opera singers of the world. We have Zachary Drucker, who is, you know, a fantastic uh, trans activist. And Major and made Lady of the uh, Dale happen. Huge, huge. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm totally blown away by the talent in this, you know, production and it's super sexy and we're even I have um sort of an intimate moment in a in a hot tub that you're not going to want to miss, which was filmed by the way under the full moon in Scorpio. Oh, that's really hot. Yeah, just wait. Um, so yeah, so this this comes out soon. I'm very excited about it and uh yeah, it's kind of an opera sort of film noir i love the taurus um, energy of this show which is like jvb you're a taurus rising right uh i'm in no i'm an aries rising but like super oh, super late rising. aries yeah 29 right, right. okay very right. powerful taurus north node taurus north north node which i love yeah. um where can people follow you so you can find me on instagram at flittergagget think glitter faggot but you can't say that on instagram so it's flittergagget on Instagram. And you can yeah, see, you can stream Desert Inn, uh, stream Desert Inn on operabox.tv and you don't need a subscription. You can pay for the whole thing. It's like 30 bucks for the whole, for all the episodes. Fabulous. Um, yeah. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for saving pride uh, and relieving me of <laughs> my, my cynicism and bitterness. Uh, um, yeah, you did a mitzvah. And um, until next time, I hope. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. The Luminaries is made with love in New York City. Art direction by Greg Kozatek. Music by Henry Kapersky. The rest by me. If you'd like a reading, tarot, or astrology, feel free to reach out to me, adavidodyssey at gmail.com. Or follow me on Instagram, david underscore odyssey. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share, rate, subscribe, and review. Mwah.